today, I have Brian Collins of Become a Writer Today on the show, and he is sharing his one-two punch of a system routine combo that turns out an impressive body of work. I'm Ann Croker, writing coach. If you're tuning in for the first time, welcome. If you're a regular, welcome back. I'm sharing my best tips and training skills and strategies to coach writers to improve their craft, pursue publishing, and achieve their writing goals. Brian Collins is a USA Today best-selling author whose books include The Power of Creativity, This is Working, I Can't Believe I'm a Dad, and a best-selling series of books for writers. He was a journalist and copywriter for years and has contributed to publications like Forbes, Lifehacker, and Fast Company. Today, he runs his website, Become a Writer Today, with the help of a team of writers attracting several million visitors each year, by the same name, where he deconstructs the writing processes of New York Times bestselling authors like James Clear and Daniel Pink. Let's hear his practical advice for writers ready to do the work and write the truth. Well, we have Brian Collins on the show today. He is a podcaster and an author and a writer, and I cannot wait to ask him all kinds of really practical questions that we can pass on to listeners today. Brian, thanks for being on the show. It's great to be here, Anne. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for taking the time. We're in different time zones, and um, I am excited to hear more. Would you share with listeners a, a little bit about your own writing, your own writing past, and what brings you to today? Sure. So ever since I was a, a kid, I wanted to be a writer and earn a living from the written word. Uh, I was a big fan of Roald Dahl back in the day, children's author. And I figured the best way to do it was to become a journalist when it when I became 18 and it was time to pick a, something to study in college or university. But I went to journalism college and spent more time going out to parties than I did actually uh, taking notes. And I found it really difficult to find paying work. Um so I, I kind of drifted in and out of uh, various freelance writing gigs during my 20s. I'm, I'm 40 now, by the way, for some, for some context. And I kind of got really frustrated with writing. And I wasn't a very good journalist, if I'm being honest. So I drifted into other careers that I didn't really weren't suitable for me. But I still wanted to earn a living from writing. So I took a series of creative writing workshops uh, that made a big impact on me. And I, I started by writing uh, short stories and then entering short story competitions. Um, I made a few mistakes. I spent a lot of time writing the same short stories rather than getting feedback. Um, and after about two or three years, I got frustrated with that and was about to give up on writing altogether. But then I said, I'll try something else. What about if I try blogging and writing about the one thing I do know something about, which is the craft of writing. So I had a technology blog that wasn't getting a huge amount of traffic, but which taught me the basics of WordPress and writing online. So I transitioned that site to become a writer today. And for a long time, it was like a hobby. This is back, now this is around 2014. So it would have been in my early 30s. For a long time, it was a hobby, um, something you did around the side of a job. Then I was surprised or pleasantly surprised when it turned into a part-time and then later a full-time business. Um, and then to give a bit more context, I mean, I, I did find work. I was, I was working as a copywriter. So for a British software company. So I, I did get paid to write. Um, and more recently, I've left that job. I was there for about eight years. So now I'm working on my own business full time. Um, so, yeah, that's an overview of some of the ups and downs of my writing career to date. Would you describe the work that you're doing through the podcast as part of your full time work that you're doing as a writer? 
Yeah, so what I do today is I, I have a site for writers and I used to write all the articles. Now I commission freelance writers to produce the articles. And then I have a set up a couple of other sites in different niches or niches, as you say, in the United States. And I don't write content for those, but I but I kind of replicate what worked for my site for the other sites. So I, I, I guess the business is a content publishing business. And one of my jobs is to edit articles. <clears throat> so I guess I'm using some of the skills I learned along the way in the business. Um, I self-published books. So I, I was big into self-publishing for a few years and I self-published a parenting memoir last year, which was my fifth or sixth book. Um, and then I, I like podcasting because I get to talk to uh, authors and experts like you, like you, Anne. Um, as any writer or listener can attest to, writing is, can be quite lonely and isolating. Uh, something that can send you a little bit crazy. So, so that that's why I, I I podcast. It's it's to talk to people and to connect to with other writers, um, and just you know share stories or anecdotes about what's working or not working. Thanks for sharing that. Do you feel like looking back at your journey, there's any one one decision you made or one avenue you took that made a big difference? Yeah, I guess it would be deciding to write online. I think any time during my writing career where I've sought permission from somebody, it's never really worked out well. And by seeking permission, I mean going to an editor and asking them to hire me as a reporter. A few editors did hire me and then they let me go. Uh, <laughs> or going to a, a writing competition and asking the judge to pick my story over to hundreds or thousands of others. Or trying to get a book deal, all of those kind of things. Whereas any time I've picked something that doesn't involve gatekeepers or permission, such as self-publishing, such as writing online or starting a podcast. Um, I've always felt more comfortable with it personally. And, and I, I guess, you know, I've had more, more luck with earning an income from it and finding readers. I love that. That's something that uh, is becoming more and more of a path for people that is no longer stamped with the stigma of Vanity Press. It's becoming a valid, legit path versus stigma sticking around waiting for people to say yes and green light your project green light yourself so exactly choose your there was a great book a few years ago by uh, an author called james altisher uh, i don't think he writes about this kind of top these topics anymore but it was called choose yourself it's kind of like a manifesto for side hustlers and i know side hustlers get a bad rep but for somebody who's doing something online side hustling can actually turn into something amazing um yeah. and uh, the key thesis of that book is don't wait for someone to pick you you know you pick yourself so start your own site start your own podcast mm. um create your own course um employ yourself that's great <clears throat> i i was looking at some of the notes you had sent me and i saw that you are you have a way of managing all of the information that you're using in the writing that you do a note taking system I would love to hear more about that. I'm pretty passionate about that. And I think it's absolutely necessary, no matter what kind of writing you do, whether you're pursuing traditional publishing, self-publishing, writing online, whatever, we need ideas, we need information, we need topics, and then we need to be able to find that when we need it. And you have a system. Tell us about that. So when I was a journalist, I kept hearing about the importance of research and organizing your ideas and notes. <clears throat> a lot of journalists keep uh, notepads on their desk or post-it notes or memos. Um, but I wanted to get a bit more organized with it. So like many people, I started reading articles and just clipping them into Evernote and thinking mm -hmm. that now I've clipped my articles into Evernote. That's it now. I, that's my research done. But uh, that's just replacing or trying to replicate what the internet does. I mean, the internet is a repository of all that information. What's far better to do is to 
take interesting anecdotes that you can use from courses or podcasts or articles and save that that into your your note-taking system and then summarize it in your own words and maybe describe how this piece of research you've come across relates to another piece of research that you've come across um so so let's say i read a let's say i listened to an interview about how to grow a podcast and the interview was two hours long um i actually did do this it was a, it was an interview tim ferris gave and i wouldn't save all of the transcript into my note-taking system what i do is i just extract two or three key points that mean something to me and then i would write about i'd summarize it in a sentence and then below it i'd describe how i could apply this idea for my for my own podcast um, and then I would link the notes up with each other if I was using a, a digital system. Um, the method I'm using is called the, the Zettelkasten method. Um, I'm still kind of refining it. It's not something I came up with. It's a, a German sociologist from the, the mid part of the 20th century. His name is Nicholas Newman. He wrote dozens of books during his career and published hundreds of papers. He's seen as a really prolific sociologist and author. But he used a series of index cards to do this. Basically, it's a form of progressive summarization in your own words. And the idea is that you're always engaged in the act of writing and research. Um, and you're, you're summarizing all the information you come across continually uh, and reflecting on it and reviewing it. Because if you think back to the, the Evernote uh, issue that I had that I described, there's no point having hundreds of articles saved in into uh, Evernote or whatever your app is. Uh, if you don't actually read them, and reflect on them and review them. And that's where the Zettelkasten meta comes in. Um, it's basically a German word which translates as slip box. Which described his method with his little cards. Yeah, so he, he used that index cards and he, he, he had one idea per index card in his own words. And then he would have the source for the idea in case he needed, because he was an academic, in case he needed to go and find the source. Sure. And there was, was a picture of a slip box and there's like thousands of index cards that he kept in giant wooden filing cabinets. Um, and you can replicate this now with digital tools, obviously. But but uh, so that that's the system I've settled on. I mean, there are other ones like when we were talking before the interview, <clears throat> you mentioned Ryan Holiday's The Commonplace Book. I did try that, but I, I personally find I prefer a, a, a kind of digital system that works quite well for me. Well, I have been experimenting with this myself, and I, like you, have tried Ryan Holiday's Commonplace Book, which is a misnomer because there are commonplace books that are more like journals, and his is actually this big uh, plastic box that was used for, I think, um, like scrapbooking or something, and he has all these index cards in there. And then he sort of randomly plucks from them trying to make connections, and that really appealed to me, and I didn't think that the digital approach could do that for me. But what I feel like the Zettelkasten method does that you're and that you're doing now is you're already you're already finding the connections as soon as you make as soon as you find something that you're interested in and you're taking your notes, you're summarizing it, you're already finding the connections right away. Is that what is that what I'm understanding? You go and you find what you've already written about that? And then makes some connections. It, it, it is. It is. Yes. Yeah. So I, I did use Ryan Holiday's method and I, I found that I had hundreds of index cards, which were quite hard to, for me personally to manage. So if you t I use it, the tool isn't really that important, but I, I use day one. It's a, it's a journaling app, but I use it because I journal regularly. But th there's other tools you can use. Um, so I just give each note a hashtag. Um, so, for example, I have a series of notes on podcasting. So if I type podcasting into day one, all of the podcasting notes will come up. And if I was writing an article about podcasting for some reason, 
I could see all of my research into the topic and all of my reflections on the topic of podcasting. Um, and that works quite well for me. Uh, it, I mean, it's, it's also, you know, I try to remind myself that the tool is less important than the process. So having one place for your notes, whether it's day one or Evernote or index cards or a shoebox, <laughs> which is once you have one system and you stick with it and you use it and you're, you're putting stuff in there regularly and you're taking some time out, you know, to review your notes um, as well. And, and that's actually why I use day one because, because I journal a lot. I find that's really helpful for creative writing and just I just enjoy it. So it was, it was just natural for me to start using that for for a type of Zettelkasten or, or Slipbox. That's so smart because th- now your notes from outside sources merge with your own ideas. And I love this, the idea of the hashtag search, then pulling from all of that and creating a cohesive sen- set of ideas and notes. And then how often do you actually do that? How often would you do a search on that and then pff, go write like every single day? So I tried to start uh, the... I mean, I'm working on my business full time now, so I have a bit more time for this. But I, I try to start in the morning by recording five to ten notes into the Zettelkast and based on a book I've read or an interview I've listened to. That'll take me about half an hour. Um, I mean, like the note is literally just, you know, I sing one or two lines and then my reaction and then just a link to the source and then potentially a hyperlink if I want to link the notes to each other. Um, and then I'll write a journal entry and that's about 45 minutes and then I'll move on with whatever I need to do that morning. Um, and then once a week, then I'll go back and review some of the notes in the, the Zettelkast. And, and then every few months I'll go back and review all of the notes from the previous year. Um, and then if I'm writing an article, I'll just search for the topic in day one. And I, sometimes I find that there's, it's amazing what, what I forget. So, so uh, like many people, you'll, you know, you'll read something and think that's a great idea. And you're not quite sure what they use that for. And then you'll, you, you know, you'll come across this anecdote or metaphor that you can use uh, for something later on. So I find that's quite helpful too. So you kind of follow that, that nudge or that impulse to write it down, even if you're not sure how you'll use it. Oh yeah. Always be, always be writing things down. If you don't write it down, it didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That's good for the digital age. We all yeah. can. Well, uh, you talk about grabbing this time you can work full time when you maybe couldn't before and you're a busy father of three. How do you fit writing into life? And do you have any suggestions for listeners who might feel themselves crunched for time as well? So when when I was uh, trying to make a living writing, um, like our kids were quite small. So now I have a 16 year old an 11 year old and a three year old. But at the time, I, th- I think they were all under five and one of them wasn't bored but it's, it's difficult to do it with, a, with a corporate job so what I used to do was just get up early before work at 6 a.m and write for an hour or an hour and a half um, now I recognize that's not possible for everyone so I also tried writing in the evenings but what I found is that I was always tired after work um, and I was more likely to procrastinate or put things off so I asked myself what could I give up and you know I stopped playing Xbox play- and PlayStation games uh, and that's how I was able to get some writing done uh, and then I also kind of stopped watching television during the week and only confined it to the weekends. Um, I don't always get up that early now because I, I, I can do it full time. Um, but if, if somebody is having trouble finding time to write, I would say <clears throat> if it were me, rather than trying to write for four or five hours on a Saturday because you feel like you have a full free day, is to try and slot 15 minutes into your day every day. Uh, and 15 minutes is often enough to write 300 words and if you write 300 words for five, six or seven days a week, chances are you'll hit 3,000 words. Chances are you'll go over because some days will just go better than others. If you do that for a month or if you do that for three months, 
you'll have the first draft of a book you'll have a series of articles for your site or you'll have more than enough articles that you can use to build a writing portfolio if you're a freelancer um so it's kind of tapping into the power of small daily wins and i I think most people can find 15 minutes i mean it's we have more tools than ever for writing today um you can dictate on your mobile um if you're on a commute you know you can write in your commute uh you can use your tablet or whatever works for you yeah these tools are are making it possible to do things we couldn't do before people who can't maybe they've had surgery can't type we can now dictate or record and transcribe just as you said and the 15 minute chunk surely surely we can dig out a little bit of time to pull that off and i loved your examples but at the same time i know you encourage the idea of getting into creative flow and the flow state sometimes takes a little time to get into so how do we you know merge these two ideas that like we can actually write a book in 15 minute increments every day because it will pile up and it will accumulate but how do we do it in a way where we feel like we're tapping into that deeper place that happens during creative flow so if you want to so you can write in 15 minutes but if you want to get into kind of a deep state of creative flow I, i'd say you need about 30 minutes um so still not a huge amount of time um but i, I mean depending on how busy your day is maybe you can you can find 30 minutes uh to, to do it i mean there's a few kind of techniques you can use to get there faster so you can use a, a set of these uh no, noise cancelling headphones mm. and listen to to ambient noise like rainfall um and that can quickly help you eliminate distractions or there's a service called brain.fm which which i i interviewed the person who created it um it's designed to help you get into flow state faster so that's another technique that you can use um but what's really key is to to be in an environment where you're not going to be distracted for for that 30 minutes so take your phone out of the room um ideally there's no other distractions uh like a television on or games console um now and that's not, i recognize that's not possible for everybody again depending on where they live so perhaps you need to write at a time when, when your house or your apartment or where you live is quieter or maybe you could go to the local coffee shop or the park and write there for 30 minutes or 60 minutes or whatever it is um you also don't need to get into a state of creative flow for hours or like well that's that can be fun and productive um 30 minutes is often enough and then you can get up and take a break and if you have time you can get back down and do another 30 minutes um and then depending on how the day goes you may go for two or three hours uh i find more than two or three hours is get gets exhausting um there's a great book about flow by me highly checks like i'm not going to attempt to pronounce his last name but <laughs> it's called flow but he, he basically says you know more than three hours is, is really difficult for most people um and, and that's often enough to to do what you need to do i think that's Great advice and very doable. I love the noise canceling headphones. I used those when my kids were young and uh, safe. <laughs> didn't need my monitoring, but I didn't need to hear the noise. That's a good trick. How about other ways we can be creative and pull out a more creative mindset and tap into different creative tools? Do you have advice for that? Yeah. So when you're working at a computer, sometimes it can feel confining and, and limiting um so we all rely on these tools to to write books and self-publish them or build sites or uh publish articles if you're working on a first draft or you're thinking about a project um consider you know going for a walk and bringing your phone with you and using a set of earphones and dictating the first draft using a, an app like otter.ai or rev um or dragon nuance often dictating the first draft 
is a lot faster. And plus you're outside, so you're kind of getting the, the blood moving and you're getting some fresh thinking as well. Uh, and sometimes just a change of environment is enough uh, if, you're, if you're looking to, um, if you feel like you're stuck on a particular project. Uh, it's also good to mix up your tools. So if I'm working on a book, sometimes I'll use index cards, even though I have all the book writing software. And I'll lay all the index cards out on a table. And then because you can, I can physically move the index cards around, uh, it's a way of kind of zooming out and seeing the structure of the book as a whole and where each section fits in the book. Um, and I find that's quite difficult to replicate on a computer. I know Scrivener has index cards, but again, it kind of feels like I'm trapped inside of the, the app, which is great for re- focusing on a sentence or a chapter, but not so great when you need to look at the manuscript in its entirety. Mixing up analog and digital, that's genius. I see other people doing similar things. They print off and cut off, cut up their pieces of paper and rearrange. There's something about that. I don't know. Maybe we're just as humans and we need to have a little tactile experience in addition to the digital tools that are a fingertip away. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of uh, whiteboards and lists. So you, I can't see it here, but there's a whiteboard to my left. Um, so sometimes I'll just write down lists on a whiteboard or mind map on a whiteboard and I find that's quite helpful as well. Nice. So if somebody's listening and they're just getting started and they 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 would like to move toward publishing whether that's self-publishing or traditional publishing, do you advise any kind of uh, first steps to finding their voice, to trying to get their ideas out, to start sorting through things to see what they even want to write about and what they want to be known for? That that kind of those initial questions that I don't know, they're just getting started. What would be your advice to them? Yeah, th- those are difficult questions. Um, many new writers are afraid of what people will think. What you know, what will a family member think if they start writing about uh, like depression or or sex or um, some real personal problems they had? Uh, I worried about those things when I started writing nonfiction. Um, but I but I quickly discovered that your your biggest problem isn't what people will think. It's actually capturing the attention of readers in the first place. So much content out there and so many books. Uh, it's really hard to connect with who your ideal reader is. So get into the habit of publishing your work and submitting it. Um, try different genres or niches or niches until you figure one that, out one that resonates for you. <clears throat> um, if you're writing nonfiction, you can use a platform like Medium to try different uh, genres or niches, write for different publications and potentially earn uh, a few dollars each month from the Medium Partner Program. Um, and you'll learn more about writing online through using Medium. Um, now, I don't write much fiction, but you can use services like Wattpad if you're if you're writing fiction to do something similar. Um, Twitter is also quite a good microblogging platform. Um, but that said, I would always at the back of your mind be thinking, what what can I build that's my own? So while you can build a platform on Medium and Twitter, uh, you know you're you're still subject to their algorithm rules. So it's always a good idea to have a part of the internet that's your own home base. Um, so whether that's a site about your business or a site about you, but it's a way for readers to find who you are. Um, and once readers start to visit your site and hopefully join your email list, because you're going to give them something for free, uh, you can start emailing them and asking them questions about what do they like about your work or what kind of problems do they have. And then you can use that to inform what you're going to write and publish next. So I hear at least three great pieces of advice that they need to stick with. One is don't worry so much about what people think. Worry more about capturing reader attention, like being findable, but then having them stick with you because they like what they read. So that was one thing you said. Then you said, what can I build that's my own? So even though we have access to something like Medium, 
because it's there and it's an easy way to publish and distribute our words, still be careful and try to create something that's our own. And then just maintaining that reader attention by even uh, once they're in your space, whether through a lead magnet freebie thing or whatever brought them into your space, try to try to maintain that attention and even ask them for ideas. Is that a pretty good summary of what you said? It is. That, that, no, that is a fair summary. Um, like while, while you need to go out and build relationships with your readers, uh, it's also good to have a way of having a direct relationship with your readers as well. So you're not overly reliant on Twitter or Medium mm-hmm. or, or, whatever, or even the Amazon algorithm to, to show your content to them. Um, as an example, it was really easy to self-publish a book years ago on Amazon. It's still easy to self-publish a book, but it's much harder to find readers unless you're going to invest in paid advertising. Uh, so, so that's that's just one way that the, the you know the rules have changed slightly. But but those authors who have an email list are, are less subject to having to use pays advertising. Hmm. Yeah. So that's a whole world. I have a membership program, and we talk about all of this, setting the whole system up for people to be able to get into your ecosystem, if you will, your your sphere of influence. But uh, this idea of to use Seth Godin's term to ship content out there to get that kind of get in front of readers and get their input and hopefully get them to like what you're writing. Do you feel like that is the best use of social media right now to just kind of get your ideas out there fast and then see what's, see what sticks. Is that a spaghetti approach? Spaghetti against, well, against it, the wall is what I mean. It, it can work, but if you're, if you're going to go out and just start publishing links to all of your content, the, the algorithms tend to favor keeping people on their platform. So posts with links don't work that well. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you can engage with somebody naturally or and authentically on Twitter um, or Medium, that tends to work much better. So in other words, if you're if you're on Twitter, you're writing content for Twitter and not, not asking people to leave Twitter to, to join Twitter. your site. Yeah. But if they're interested, chances are a percentage will come and find who you are anyway. Mm-hmm. Which, which platform is your favorite? Uh, well, these days... Well, I mean, to go back to your earlier question about finding time to write, I actually reduced my social media usage for a long time because it's hard to to, uh, to write and find time for social media. But th- these days I, I use Twitter quite a bit. I find it's quite good. I particularly like Twitter threads. Um, I u- used to use Medium quite a lot when I was freelance writing. Uh, I'm not using it so much anymore because there was a lot of changes to the algorithm and how content was surfaced. Um, and to be honest, I found I was, my site was starting to get traffic, so it was better publishing content there. Um, uh, yeah, I'm starting to use YouTube a bit for informational videos for my own site as well. So they're probably the three, the three main networks at the moment. And would you suggest those as a starting point for somebody? We, we kind of covered that already, but like, would you say, yeah, go ahead and start doing video. It's big or nope, just write, just write. Yeah, I, I guess somebody would have to ask themselves what network they're most comfortable using. Um, but if you're a writer uh, and you write nonfiction, then then I'm, I really encourage you to check Medium out if you haven't done it already. And Twitter as well, it's it's naturally geared towards writers and microblogging. Um, and it's gotten much easier to use than it was a few years ago and more relevant for people who use uh the written word online. So probably those two, they probably take the, le- the least amount of time, whereas video can be quite involved. Oh, that's great advice. Um, do you feel like if somebody is stuck, so we talked about beginning writers, what about people who are feeling stuck? They've got writer's block and or, or something like it. I know that's maybe a term some people argue that it doesn't exist, but they're feeling blocked in some way. Do you have any tips for how they can break free from that? <clears throat> 
Yeah, writer's block is often a, a kind of an input problem rather than an output problem. So if you fi- feel like you have nothing to say, ask yourself what types of uh, books are you reading or courses are you taking? Um, and, you know, are you kind of documenting your notes and learnings from those books and courses? Um, and often writing about what you've learned is a great way of conquering writer's block. Uh, if you're you're kind of looking, writing something that's more creative, I'd recommend checking out the book Writing Down the Bones by Natalie Goldberg. Fantastic. Get the audio version because she narrates it herself and she, she just, she's amazing. Um, <clears throat> but she describes a practice called free writing, which is really helpful for writer's block. So basically you write for a predetermined period. Um, you don't stop to edit yourself and you just write about whatever's on your mind. And if something strange happens while you're writing, like, like the camera issue there a second ago, you would just write that down as well. Or a dog barking, you just write that down as well. And the idea is that you're you're just getting out whatever's on your head onto the blank page. And then later on during a separate session, you can go back and edit and tidy up and see if there's something useful. Um, so so all those practices can all help with writer's block. Ugh, free writing was so liberating to me. And it wasn't because of writer's block that I was using it. I was actually using it in a creative writing class. It was an assigned book back in the day. And that actually transformed everything for me because I had come from a family of journalists. And so I had one way of thinking about writing. But when she, when I read what she was saying, that we have to get down to that those first thoughts, she called them. And the only way we can do that is when we take away the editor that's always editing what we're saying and thinking and get down to the first thoughts. And that can only happen when you just keep that pen moving or the I guess you could do fingers. She's she sort of changed her tune a little bit. She used to say fingers, a uh, pen on paper, but now she's saying if keyboard works better that's fine yeah <laughs> just get the has. words down yeah and no, I, I like free writing journaling is good too um and if journaling can work quite well with, with the free writing approach um because usually a journal entry is for you and you alone um mm-hmm. so you can you can write about whatever you want yeah you um you said you use day one that's for your journaling and it's digital right i use day one so it's a purpose-built journaling app oh i'm so, sorry sorry is my phone going off there? Uh, so that, that's another tip. Yeah, turn off your phone when you're, when you're writing. Uh, so yeah, I used uh, Day One. It's a purpose-built journaling app. Um, and I particularly like it because it, it works great on the mobile. And so I can use it on my tablet. And I can also use it um, on the Mac. And you can put in photos. And it also has a nice, little, neat little feature where it'll surface entries from last year or five years ago or eight years ago. So it's a great way of bringing back up uh, pieces of writing that you may have forgotten about. Do you ever worry about privacy with these apps? Uh, sometimes, yeah. yeah. D- day one has a pretty strict encryption policy and it's connected to your Apple ID. Um, and actually, when you're using day one, if you even tab out of the app, it'll automatically lock as well. So, I mean, I guess if you're journaling, you know, you, you have the same issues if it's a paper journal too. Um, <laughs> so who's so. going to unearth it under your bed? <laughs> or, yeah. I, mean, it's not, I don't have state secrets in there. So I mean, I, I can't <laughs> imagine why somebody would want to hack into today one. So maybe it'd just be somebody I know would, would want to read it, but, but it's password protected. So Yeah. And it sounds like you do a lot of the creative work that you're going to pluck from anyway for your public writing. Well, that's it. Yeah. So a lot of it is like the research and the bare bones of what, what hopefully later turn into an article or some sort of chapter. Do you see a difference between a personal reflective journal and a writing journal? Um, that's a good question. So I guess like they're kind of intermixed. I mean, in, in day one, I have like a personal journal where it was traditional journaling about what I did or what I told about something. Um, and then I'd have the Zettelkast. And those would probably be the two ones that I have uh, in there. Um, I don't really have a, like a dedicated 
writing journal per se, um, I, I would consider that the, the Zettelkasten. Okay. And if you had a favorite writing book, but it, it, we've already mentioned writing down the bones, is there another book that you would say, yeah, this is on my top, top 10 list of books about writing? Uh, so story by Robert McKee. Mm-hmm. So he's a screenwriting doctor and guru, uh, worked a lot in Hollywood, but he came to Ireland a few years ago and I, I was, went to his workshop and at the end of the workshop, I was lucky enough to meet him and he autographed a copy of his book and he, he's put a, a statement on it saying, write the truth. Uh, but, uh, he, I think he puts that on, on every book he autographs, but basically he provides an overview of how any writer can use story, um, in their work. And it, once you learn it, uh, it's it's something that can be really impactful. So it, may, it really helped me. Um, that's definitely a book. Even if you don't write screenplays, you you know it's, it's still a book that will help you with your craft. I have it in the house. It's really fat. <laughs> it is. It's quite a dense book. It took me a while to go through it, but I ended up reading it three, three times and, and taking mm. uh, lots of, lots of notes. But it's it, it's excellent. I'm gonna pull it off the shelf, blow the dust off, <laughs> and get started. That's great. Do you um, do you find yourself writing your nonfiction differently because of having read story? And I'm assuming that based on what you just said. But I try to. So I I try to insert some personal stories into my nonfiction. Um, don't always succeed following what he advocates in the book, but I, you know I do. It is something that's always at the back of my mind because readers will connect more with a story rather than somebody who's regurgitating information. Who's your creative hero? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, a few. Uh, probably the the singer Nick Cave. Um, I think he's he's just tried mo- multiple formats from poetry to books to uh, to music. Um, I also like, uh, well, I suppose Robert McKee's made a big impact on me. Uh, when, the fact I was lucky enough to meet him. Um, maybe Stephen King as well, because he's, he's such a huge back catalogue and he's tried so many different genres and, and niches. And what's next on your um, on your plate, on your desk? What are you working on now? Well, I just finished writing a parenting memoir. Uh, it was kind of a lockdown project. So I'm, I'm at the final stages of recording the audio book. Uh, it's called I Can't Believe I'm a Dad. So it's, it's, it's a creative project. I just something I wanted to write during the lockdown. So it's all about when I unexpectedly became a dad about 10 or 15 years ago. Uh, something kind of enjoyed writing rather than a book I wrote like because like, it was going to achieve some goal for me so, so that, that was fun to do and I, I spent the past few months narrating the audio version of that as well that's a big project and then marketing that I suppose is a big part of that uh, the next steps involved yeah I need to spend more time pr- promoting it to be honest like I kind of wrote the book um just just with the goal of writing something that's a bit more honest and personal because prior to writing this book I'd written a lot of some business books and you know I was a f- freelance writing for Forbes so I wanted to do something that was altogether removed from that, that type of writing. Um, and it was it was just something I en- enjoyed writing. So of all the kind of stories and anecdotes and how they relate to a guy who's about to become a dad. The, the thesis of the book is it's, it's all the information I wish I'd known about becoming a father. Uh, it's something I wish somebody had told me over a pint uh, when I found out my partner was pregnant years ago. Write the truth. You're doing Write it. the truth. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> well, thank you for your time today and sharing so much of how your own creative process works and even the little granular details of how your card system lives in day one and how we can use different systems to do our own creative work and step out into the world to be read. Do you have any final thoughts that you want to leave us with? Sure. So, so if somebody's listening to this and 
there want to learn more you can visit become a writer today.com and on the homepage, you can get a free book of writing prompts i also have a podcast under the same name and i was i was lucky enough to interview guests uh, like Anne about their writing process and that's also called become a writer today and it's on the itunes store so so go check it out you have had some big name people on there. Uh, me not, not being among the top names. Who are some other people you were really excited to have on the show that they might want to go dig around and find? Yeah, so I, I interviewed James Clear when he was uh, promoting Atomic Habits. That, that was a good one. Um, I interviewed Daniel Pink about his book uh, a few years ago. That was interesting too. Uh, more recently, I interviewed Mark McGuinness. So he's well known and as a kind of a creativity coach. And he, he was really interesting to talk to talk to and he gave me some interesting advice about how to think about creative work versus work that pays the bills Ooh, all right i'm gonna go listen to that next myself i haven't i haven't gotten to that one so thank you thank you for opening up your life and your work to us and i hope that many people find themselves uh becoming stronger better more confident writers especially getting know getting to know you and your podcast so thanks. thank you Anne. All right, you take care. I hope this conversation helps you see how you can start building your own system for collecting everything that inspires you. And you really can build your body of work 15 minutes at a time. Let Brian continue to inspire you through his podcast, Become a Writer Today. I'll link to that and to his interview with me, along with loads of resources he mentioned. Just go to ancroker.com slash become a writer today, all jammed up together. That's ancroker.com slash become a writer today. Thank you for being here. I'm Ann Croker, writing coach. <laughs>